0: In my the these days. brewing that the focus remains the focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show was presented as always by Previnex, one of my favorite companies. They have been supporting the podcast for a long time now, and I love it because I love them and all the great work that they are doing. So, I mean, if you listen to this show, you know that I've been using them for a very long time. I love their Joint Health Plus. I love their multivitamin. They have probiotics. They got the full panoply of options from a supplement perspective. But what I want to talk about today is their product Neurofy Plus, which is a breakfast that I like to have Every single day, it's a plant-based protein shake that's super clean and healthy, and it's extremely filling, and best of all, it tastes good, which obviously, some of these protein shakes, don't check that box, that's for sure. Uh, I love it. It has all the proteins, the carbs, the amino acids, the key nutrients that you need, as well as the digestive system, and it's just really, really good. So it has 220 calories when you mix it with water. I like to throw a little milk in there, which obviously adds to the calorie count. I have some friends who use it, even like Lindsay Hein who if you listen to my show, you probably listen to hers. She puts it as kind of the foundation of a smoothie that she likes. Either way, it keeps me full. So I'm going to talk in my Mastering 40 episode starting next week, where I'm now running a little bit later in the morning after I drop my kids off at school, which is great. So... What do I have? For, so for breakfast, I can't have a huge breakfast because I'm going to be running in a little bit. So I have one of these. I have a prevenex Nurofen Plus at around seven o'clock in the morning. I go for my run around nine o'clock, and it is perfect. The timing is great, and when I finish my run, I am not starving. And obviously, I'm going to eat because that's important for my own health. But it's not a big deal. And if you have a hectic crazy lifestyle. This is the best way to get the nutrients that you need and not feel full 15 minutes later. I really can't say that enough. So I'm going to encourage you to now try it for yourself for 14 days. This is really going to be, I think, a benefit to you. Go over to Prevanex.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Today's episode is with John Lugbill. John is the executive director of the Sports Backers, which is a nonprofit group that hosts a lot of different kinds of events. But for our purposes, we're going to talk about how they host a lot of different running events, specifically the Richmond Marathon, Half Marathon, and 8K. The Richmond Marathon is a well-known race. It's extremely well-run, pardon the pun. And it is just it's one of the best races that you can do on the East Coast. The reason we're talking about it today, however, is because they didn't cancel like so many races that have either canceled or gone virtual, they have found and created a creative way to solve the problem of in-person racing. And I can't wait to bring this to you. This is kind of an atypical episode for us, but the reason I'm doing it is because so many of you, just like me, are really feeling that down-in-the-dumps feeling of not having in-person races. It was one thing when all the spring races were canceled. It's another thing, wow, where you have the second wave of cancellations coming where a lot of us had hopes that the fall would work out and it didn't, it just didn't. And it's just a, it's a huge bummer. And a lot of us are like, all right, what am I doing this for? Am I going to go a whole year without racing? And it's hard enough sometimes to get up and go in the mornings. And now you're probably, if you're like a lot of people second guessing this whole thing, fear not. All right. Cause there's some races out there that are, are finding creative solutions Richmond Marathon, Half Marathon 8K is one of them. And if you were one of those people who wanted to do Chicago, CIM was just canceled. This window was from November 7th to 22nd, which is right in that sweet spot between CIM and Chicago. If you were training for one of those and you still want to go somewhere to have that marathon experience, fear not. Richmond is here for you. And that is why I was so excited to talk to John. So let's get into it with John Lugbill. Hello, John, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. So many people who listen to this show uh, are in this spot where they understand what's going on in the race scene. They understand all the virtual race options, even if they didn't weren't hip to the virtual race game. You know, last year at this time, I feel like so many of us are are very understanding of it now. And I'm excited to get you on as you and your company is starting to fill this 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 kind of white space between these two distinct options that we already had, the virtual races and the large scale races that so many people have been familiar with over time. And I'm so excited to chat with you about the options that you and your company has created and and uh, the things that people can start to get into. But before we get there, John, I can't, bl- I was talking to your colleague, Pete Woody, seems like an awesome guy. And he told me that you were an Olympian, 1992, in whitewater kayaking, it, I did not even know that this was a sport in the Olympics. I was telling you before I follow the Olympics pretty closely. I had no idea how does one make this I mean t- tell me about your evolution in terms of an athlete and getting to the Olympics in an event or a sport that is kind of off the mainstream radar
1: yeah so i w- I was fortunate enough to uh, have a, a a father and and brothers who were really into the outdoors. And so at a very early age, age 10, I started learning how to kayak. And by the age 13, I was pretty much paddling every day. I loved it. So that's what I did. And I was a kid that just loved to go out and paddle. And um, I know that's weird because not many people do that. But And I was pretty
0: athletic um, as a youngster. So i there's a the future, there's a future Olympian. I was pretty athletic. Yeah. I was <laughs> a very,
1: story. I was a very <laughs> athletic kid and, and I loved sports. And so at age 13, you start doing something every day and you do that for four or five years, you get really good at it. And so by the time I was out of high school, I, I actually won, uh, the world championships when I was 18, three weeks out of graduating from high school. And, and, uh, so I, I kept competing. I was a five-time individual world champion and uh, competed in the '92 Olympics. So it was um, it was a great run. I, I I was on national teams for 17 years. I traveled around the world. I got to paddle rivers everywhere, um, and and it was a it was a real life-forming experience for me. I, I think for me, it was it was. I, I loved competing. I loved trying to be the best at something. Um, exploring that realm of being the best in the world uh, is something I did for 12 years of my life. And, and it was just something I was, I was motivated, inspired by it got me up in the morning. It, it was something I always thought about uh, pretty much a hundred percent of my time outside of paddling or if I had to go to work or school, but, pretty much 100% of my time, free, free thought time was focused on how to get better, how to be more creative, how to be innovative, and, and how to be a couple years ahead of everybody else in the sport. And that's highly uh, motivating, and it's uh, a, a great way to live in life. It, it really is kind of a weird,
0: obsessive thing. <laughs> well, all right, let, let me ask, first of all, is a race kind of similar, um, to like, a, like a downhill skiing competition? Is it like, kind of like people, each person goes in more of a time trial setting or is it kind of a free for all where there's a couple of boats in the water at the same time? Yeah, it's time trial format. Uh, you know, racer would go off
1: every minute or two, depending on the format. And you'd race through 25. It might, when I, when I was paddling, you'd race through 25 gates, hung over a few hundred yards of, of. Rapids, and you'd be fastest time from start to finish. And then you got penalized if you touched one of the poles. So, the '92 Olympics, I touched one of the poles, and that bumped me from first to fourth. So, uh,
0: oh, you know, the, off the podium. Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. yeah,
1: yeah. Being fourth at the Olympics sucks. Um, but uh, you know, especially because I was used to winning world championships, getting fourth, getting anything but first would have sucked. Um, but but being fourth really sucks. But but yeah, we used you know being really uh, skilled in whitewater was really important. Uh, being strong, powerful, more than endurance running, it, it very much was bursts of speed and power. So quickness, speed, power, and then. We're a little bit like surfers. Uh, Paddlers are a little bit like surfers. And that, that instinctive feel for the water and natural kind of reaction to it is incredibly important. So spending a lot of time on the water is really beneficial.
0: Oh, I can imagine. All right. I I could talk about this for a while because this is such an interesting sport and I can see why it would appeal to a lot of people who have access to to that sport or just that surrounding. Obviously, you know, if you live in a certain area of the, the country, then that sport might be more uh, up your alley where other people might be like, I don't even know where where Whitewater Rapids are. Uh and, and it would be a little bit harder to get into it. With that said, let's let's sort of pivot to running here because you talked about your life as an athlete. Basically, the way you described it was the exact opposite of what we're going to talk about later, you know, running for endurance and for multiple hours at a time, you're doing short burst, um, you know, short burst power sport using predominantly your upper body and core. So how did that transition go from you, you, you being in that sport in that area to all of a sudden, not only working in the running, the running world, but I'm I'm assuming also, you know, being a participant as well.
1: Yeah, so uh, I the transitions kind of I, I think I can tell it quickly. Uh, following the '92 Olympics, I tr- I worked at the Washington Council of Governments up in D.C. and and had been involved in an effort to to determine whether Washington D.C. could host the Olympics or not. Um, so I was actually an environmental planner, and and the organization I was working for wanted to check out the feasibility of having the Olympics in DC. So I got to work in sports, but then after Atlanta won the Olympic games and after i had competed in 92 in, in Barcelona, uh, my company said, you know, well, we're not going to have the Olympics in DC for a long time. So, you know, thank you, but go back to your environmental work. And I was, I was really at the point where I was like, you know, I had more fun working on sports than I did the environmental work. So so I started looking for jobs that would really do that. And I saw that uh, there was an opening here, at the sports backers in Richmond, Virginia. And so I applied and got the job and, and it really, my love for sports uh, was across all sports. I was always active. I ran a lot uh, as part of training and just something fun to do. Uh, I always did trail running since I was a little kid. So, you know, that was that was natural so at sports backers we started creating events and and we own a bunch of different events uh across different disciplines we even have an outdoor field hockey tournament so we do a lot of different things but one of the biggest things we did originally is we took over the richmond marathon in 1998 and then we created the Ucross monument avenue 10k which um it it has grown and become one of the largest 10 K's in the country. So, so we're, we're kind of best known for our running events. Um, but we have lots of events and, and we also have programs that promote physical activity here. So I'm talking a lot there, there, there is a lot of, uh, change in my career over that time. I think the, the thing that is exciting for me and, and thing that carries over to what I did racing, because certainly, um, running marathons is different, is that one of the best ways to get good at something is to walk out the door and do it. Uh, I got used to waking up every morning and going and paddling. I had years where I paddled every day. So, you know, in running, we have people that are streakers. Well, I was a streaker in paddling. And in fact, during a 17 year span, there was no time during that where I went more than two weeks without being in the boat. And most years I paddled either every day or close to it. Um, And so uh, when you want to train for a marathon, the number one thing you got to do is lace up those, those shoes and head out the door. And, Mm -hmm. and it's really helped me, I think with, with, uh, understanding who the people are that take part in our events, because uh, for the most part, they're the people that lace up the shoes and head out the door. And so we want to make experiences that, that really help those people that have the, the stick to it the perseverance, and the, and the willingness to put in the time.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. That's a great point about how you were running as part of training, right? I mean, I can see that you know, needing that endurance is so vital. I mean, we've talked to professional milers On this podcast who run 65 miles a week and don't do like – it's not like they're doing anaerobic work every day either and these are some of the best milers in the world and you're sitting there like, wait, hold on. (laughs) That doesn't seem to jive but it it does make a lot of sense if you see even with boxers. Right? boxers putting in you know, the always called putting in the road work every morning. Um, this is this is you'd think on some level would be kind of anathema to what they're really doing in the ring, but then provides, you know, that that kind of that cross-training benefit. Uh, so I think this is really fascinating because you come from a world where your main endeavor, your races, while a competition amongst other, amongst your peers is basically, you know, that time trial variety, which a lot of runners are now getting a taste of because a time trial and virtual race, we're just talking about semantics here. I mean, that's really, it's the same thing. Um, the only difference is people are on different courses, but ultimately it's a solo endeavor. And with that being said, we're now at a point where almost all races are solo endeavors. And this is something that, you know, for so many, not only runners, but for people like you who are putting on these events have had to have this strong pivot in this direction. So what I want to do right now is just talk about the, the Richmond Marathon, Half Marathon and 8K, what you guys are offering right now. And then we can kind of go back in time and, and get to the point where like the decision making process that got you here. So let's let's do a spoiler alert first. What what exactly are you guys offering? Because I think it is really interesting and something that, especially for people who have access to your area, uh, would be really fascinated by. And then we can talk about the process by which you got there. Because I'm sure it wasn't exactly a linear path.
1: Yeah, great. Um- So what we have put together is uh, during COVID, the the biggest thing everybody's concerned about, whether it's health officials or or participants, is having people spread out. Uh, So having social distancing and not having people on top of each other. So that's why it's so hard to have large mass scale uh, running races. And so with the marathon half and 8K that we're doing in November – we decided to spread it out over 16 days. So we could get three weekends and the weekdays in between. So it does happen to be the length of time of the Olympics. So 16 days of glory, uh, stuck in my head. So certainly, uh, that's something that, that we're able to accomplish. So you'll be able to go out and, and get your packet at the race start anytime between five, in the morning and 5.30 in the afternoon, we'll have someone there manning the packet pickup. It, uh, you'll be able to put on your bib, go out, run your race when you want to start between those times. You have to be done by 5.30 in the evening. We will have chip timing. Uh, so when your bib hits that start line, your time starts. And when your, your bib crosses back over is when it finishes. We are going to have bottle refill stations. So it's basically a coupless race. Uh, we are going to have, uh, you're going to run on a paved trail that's 10 foot wide and is closed to traffic. There are two roads that do cross, two major roads that cross. So you're going to have to be careful. We are not stopping traffic for 16 days for 12 hours a day. Um, but other than for those two road crossings, you basically are able to go and and, and there isn't that much traffic on those roads. Um, So you'll be able to go, there'll be mile markers, there'll be direction arrows wherever there's even a slightest turn. Um, So you're going to have a course laid out just like you would uh, with a regular marathon. Um, It'll be out and back. um, And we think because we're limiting the number of people participating, the the trail, while there'll be other people out there at almost all hours, uh, it'll be pretty spread out. So Uh, it is open to other people that cycle or run or walk, but in November, the, the normal traffic on that section of the trail is greatly reduced and we will have a communication plan to encourage people to use other sections. That's a 52 mile long trail and we're only using a small part of it. So, so we'll encourage people to use the rest of the trail. So, so basically we're providing a great opportunity and you come with a friend or, or three friends, um, You know, you can run together like you don't have to be, uh, uh, you know, alone, alone. Um, But on the other hand, uh, you know, if you
0: want to be by yourself, you'll be able to. So that's the format. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I love this, John. I think this is great. And and, then we should mention the trail you're talking about is the Virginia Capital Trail. And you mentioned it's fifty-two miles long. Obviously, when you say out and back, don't start at the beginning, and run to the end, and turn around because you're going to be yeah. running an ultra. I'm sure you guys have it all all marked off. Um, so you have all of these separate things. What talk to me about the potential for people to run with other people? What are there any restrictions around that? Are you guys working with? you know, uh, running groups in the area, what has what, what that process been like for you? Not only making sure that you're doing it in a way that works with your local government restrictions, but also in a way to kind of amplify the positive effect of running with people and making sure that people are aware that they have that option.
1: Yeah, we, we wrestled with, uh, whether we would make people sign up for a specific time slot or not. And what we decided was, you know what, um, it's hard enough to do all this. And, and one of the huge benefits of this format is being able to have the weather that you want. So, so I don't know about you, but I have run nine marathons, which isn't that many, but, uh, on several of them race day sucked because it was hot And, and, you know, you get out there, you've done all this training, you're doing great. And then you get out there on race day and it's 80 degrees and you are not going to have a fast time no matter what you're just screwed. And so with this format, you know what, you just run the next day or you run two days later when the weather is going to be cooler, or you see the forecast and you go, you know what, I'm going to move to the next weekend because I got my choice of 16 days. And so we think you get to pick the weather. So by limiting people to a specific start time and day, we, we felt like we were unnecessarily putting a burden on people. The other thing is we thought that people that wanted more people around um, would benefit from running on the weekends, and we thought the people that wanted it more isolated uh, could do it on the weekdays. Uh, we did make it so you could start at 5 a.m., so it's, it's not light until about 6.30, uh, 6.45. Uh, in November in Richmond. Um, so people will, you know, have to have a headlamp starting that early, but think about it, running a marathon. If you're an early riser, like, oh my God, you know, getting out there before the sun comes up, that's a huge advantage. And then people that like to sleep in, I mean, I know a lot of people, I mean, my daughter, I've run a marathon with her. She doesn't like to get up early and she has to have coffee first and hang out a little bit. And, you know, she'd rather head out around nine or 10. Well, for her, you know, this will work for that too. So, so not having the specific time. So our jurisdictions have been great. Um, you know, we've limited the total number of runners to 3000 in each race. Uh, we think spread out over 16 days uh, and really the six weekend days were really critical. Um, and then the various times uh, we, we think there'll be less traffic. We will have less volume on the Virginia Capitol trail than what existed back in May. Um, and so, you know, that's what helped it all get approved.
0: All right. So 3,000 for the marathon, 3,000 for the half, 3,000 for the 8K, which is roughly five miles for people who, who don't know the, the conversion. So that's 9,000 people in total. What? So, say, like, say last year, what was the enrollment for each of those races um, in, say, a normal year?
1: Yeah, so we have 6000 in the marathon, 10000 and a half and 3000 in the 8k. So so it's it's dramatically less. And I don't think we'll fill. Um I think we're going to I think we'll have less in the 8k than the 3000. Um I think the full you know will be closer to 3, the half will probably get to 3 and then the 8k will probably be 1500. You know, we have a limit of 3000, but we won't get there. So we think it will be about 7,000 total. All
0: right. So this is gonna. So we're talking on October 1st. This is going out tomorrow, October 2nd. Say someone hears this, they're local to Richmond, Virginia, or they have, you know, they want to get a race in and they might live who knows where uh, internationally or anywhere across the country. And they're like, all right, now I have a legitimate race option. This sounds great. I have some flexibility when I can get there. This sounds really interesting. What are the signups looking right now and how much time do you think people have to make this decision if they're already, you know, pretty in shape and have a little flexibility in terms of what they can sign up for?
1: Yeah, we basically have eighteen hundred in the full, we have uh twenty two hundred and a half and uh, about five hundred in the eight K. 8K. Eight Kers normally sign up late, so so that's to be expected. Um so we still have room. You know, you're hearing this in early October uh you know, you'll be able to enter. The nice thing about this format is we are not gonna do the bait and switch and switch you to virtual. Like, like this is this is the format that we're doing. <laughs> and and it is approved and it is safe and it is a way that uh so far people have been feeling very comfortable with. So so really it's the guarantee that you get to do a race. Um if you want to just have a, a nice race where you know it'll happen and it gives you something you know gold goal to train for it's going to happen um, and then this is this is also your one chance to do all three races easily um, you know I'm, I actually am signed up for the 8k the half and the full so during that 16 day period I've never been able to run our marathon half or 8k because I've always
0: been working for the last 21 years um, oh John, Dave Dave is laughing at you, John. Dave is running the Boston Marathon backwards every year. What are you doing?
1: I'm like working my butt off normally for the marathon. <laughs> so like even the thought of uh of being out there racing uh when I'm in the middle of all that work is just beyond me. But but anyway, good for Dave that the Boston Marathon is so successful financially and has enough money to pay everybody that he can do that. Um but, you know, for me, I, I actually don't really want to run another marathon when it's hot. So, you know, I'm definitely going to pick a day when it's
0: cool. Right. Oh, I can imagine. Well, I'm thinking about your other sport being, you know, being, uh, being in the water all the time. Even if it was hot, you have the, little, the splashing going on, which can just cool you down a little bit. Well, this is such an interesting thing because now so many people, you know, are now in the position where CIM just canceled uh, about a week ago. And they 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 did an interesting thing in the fall. I'm sorry, in the spring, where they, they had laid out they laid out an extremely generous package for a lot of runners. They basically said, We know what's going on, we know a lot of these races are gonna be canceled. We don't know if we're gonna be canceled, you know, eight, nine months from now, but we're gonna give you a five year window to basically run our race if you sign up today. Which was I thought was at that time extremely innovative because there was a lot of uncertainty. I think they instituted that in late May. Um, so, even then, it was still people are unsure. Like, I think at that time, Boston still thought they were going to happen Labor Day weekend. And so I thought that was interesting. Going back in time to the spring, um, again, this, you know, let's, let's, let's mark this around that same time, kind of early, late May, where people are starting to be optimistic about what could happen. But at the same time, No one really knows the professional sports leagues are now in conversation about how they're going to manage their, manage their thing. What was the conversation like with, with you and your team trying to decide what options were on the table from the extreme of just canceling to, Hey, let's just try to make this happen. And if we have to cancel at the last minute and make it virtual, that would suck. But, you know, we got to try to make, see, see if we can stay with the status quo if we can.
1: Yeah, so, so by late May, our thinking was that uh, we would guarantee a measured marked course at least um, so that we'd have a 26.2-mile route measured and marked somewhere where you're able to go run on your own if need be, which would be better than just completely virtual. Uh, we, at the time, planned on doing the normal race, but with very spread out starts. Uh, we, like everybody, were looking at models out of, you know, various places and they're showing COVID being under control by, you know, sometime in August, July and August. So, so at the time we were thinking we would just spread out our starts, make people wear masks before they started and we'd figure out the rest. Um, but by July that had flipped and, and we knew that wasn't happening. Um, so at that point where we did the big pivot, um, and that's an overused term, but that's when we really did this in the opposite way. We said, okay, wait a second. You know, I'm, I'm 59. I do not want to be getting COVID. I'm I'm a very healthy individual and I exercise all the time, blah, blah, blah. But, but I do not want to get COVID. I don't want to test it. And, and I certainly don't want to be the person that gives it to someone else who becomes seriously ill or, or. God forbid, dies because I gave them COVID. So so I like races. I like training for things. It motivates me. So so that's what I said is look, how how do we get someone like me to take part? What 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 do we need to offer? Like, how does this work? And then everyone wants to start with what the government will allow them to do. I'm like, no, that's that's not good enough. We need to have it where people like me want to take part. And so we started working backwards. Okay. We can do a course. We can, we can do it at Dory park. Okay. So we can use this race joy app and, and people can have, you know, split times by mile. We, we learned how to do the uh, hands-free uh, water bottle refill station. So we have foot pedals, uh, you put your foot on and the spouts are really fast. So it really fills your bottle quickly so we go okay, you know, couple of bottle refill stations, We can set those out. Um, we started measuring out the courses, and then uh, run sign up heard about what we were doing, and they said we're going to help you guys figure out timing. Um, you know, they have the RaceJoy app, and they said, you know what, we can, we think we can do chip timing with this. So, so we added the chip timing. Initially, we we're just going to mail packets to everybody, but getting all that stuff, and and we still will mail if you're going to do it virtually but uh, not until the end of november but if you show up and get it then because we have to get people their bibs um and ordering the stuff and having it in time and everything is was was problematic so anyway we said you know what we're gonna have the packet right there for you 12 hours a day um and you just come by and pick it up and and it'll be right by your where you park um And so then all of a sudden the convenience of this just started to really jump out and and we realized yeah we're going to have to man these bottle refill stations so nobody contaminates them and we clean them regularly and yeah we're going to have to have porta potties out there but you you know we and some of these things took a little longer to to get figured out Um, we're still working on having a chip mat out on the course and figuring out how to. A have internet and B have uh, power at <laughs> some of these spots. Um, but you know, and, and, power for 12 hours a day for 16 days. Um, so some of that we still are working through, but you know what, it's, it's, um, I think we ended up somewhere where people want to be and, and we know it because people are entering. So, so, you know, it, it really was starting with what the runners want. And I wrote a blog about it and I actually called it the, uh, uh tailor-made marathon and, and we wanted to start talking about it in a positive way at first we were kind of apologizing for not being able to do it like normal and i'm like wait a second you know this isn't this isn't us like doing anything to anybody the virus did this to us as a society and so so no this is us coming up with an innovative solution to help meet the needs of of people who who want a goal that we want to strive to, to, to achieve something this fall. And we just want to provide a safe way for them to do that. And that's what we're doing. So, so we stopped apologizing and started being uh, proud of the fact that we've, we've created this new opportunity and it's a way to run a marathon or half marathon or 8k this fall safely.
0: And um, it's turned into a unique opportunity. I love the fact that you're like, this is what we're doing. And you had an idea that you were going to make it work, but you didn't, when you made that announcement, you weren't like, okay, everything has been completely figured out and now we can make the announcement. Now we can do it. It was much more like ready, shoot, aim type feel to it. And I think that that's so important because when you're going to do something that's innovative and something that kind of bucks the trend, I think that's so important because if you wait for everything to be a certainty before you commit you're never going to commit. And I think we're seeing this so so often in this space. Again, this is no disrespect to people who are putting on racism. So many of those folks are in really difficult times and my heart goes out to them. But I feel like there was a lot of space for – this kind of innovation to happen, and I and I give a lot of you know kudos to London Marathon who are doing an elite only race. I'm sure they wanted to do something different, but they made it work. And now, you know Ben Rosario, Josh Cox, and a whole bunch of people are putting this uh, marathon on. Um, uh, it was a top fifty men, top fifty women are going to be going down December twentieth. Uh, you know, t- doing that marathon, which again good for those people. But again, this has been a long time coming and it's so interesting that we haven't seen um, as many things happening for the amateur runner set to make something like this happen. And I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. You guys are in a uh, well-populated area. If people want to get down to Richmond or up to Richmond, <laughs> depending on where they live, I live in Rhode Island. So for me to be going down to Richmond, um, I, I, I really, you know, I think this is just such a great thing. And, I think this is a huge opportunity for running groups to head down there because you can say, okay, listen, like, we're not all going to hop in a van or whatever, but like, we're going to do this as a team and we're going to be able to make this work. And this is so interesting. And, and, you know, this is kind of like, it's going to be like a fun weekend trip because right now, not a lot of people are doing fun weekend trips and especially not doing it in the running scene. And there's a lot of people who do basically adventure travel, right? So they go on a vacation, but it's about like their athletic adventure not necessarily like, hey, we're going to go sightsee. And I think that this provides that option as well. So for people who aren't familiar with Richmond um, and are maybe considering uh, heading into that area to do this race during that 16 day period, what would you tell them in terms of like, all right, this is where you fly in and this is how far we are from an airport and this is where you'd want to stay? And, and just kind of the particulars for the area. Because again, someone like me, like I know Richmond's a big deal. I know I knew about your marathon long before you came on today, but I also haven't been there before.
1: Yeah, so Richmond, Virginia, we're two hours south of Washington, D.C. We have 1.2 million residents in our region. We have a pretty significant airport, uh, so you can fly in here. It's easy drive distance on the East Coast. Uh, if you're in Rhode Island, it's, what, six hours, six seven hours. Um, so, you know, it's relatively accessible. Uh, the course is on the east end of town. It's about... Uh, 10 miles outside of downtown Richmond and, uh, is right near the airport. So, um, very convenient. You could actually stay in hotels near the airport if you wanted, uh, like everywhere, our downtown hotels are pretty empty. So you'll be able to get rooms there. Uh, Richmond is a great outdoor active living town. Um, we have some of the largest, uh, running events, uh, uh, in the country, in the Ucrofts Monument Avenue 10K, our marathon obviously is very significant in size um, on a normal year. Uh, we have a beautiful James River with Whitewater Rapids right in downtown. There's beautiful trails along it. We have all sorts of historic sites, you know, American Revolutionary War, Civil War all sorts of uh, things that went on here uh, in Richmond. And so, um, you know, there's a lot to see and do, uh, even during the time of COVID. Um, And for people that, uh, you know, get a chance to come down and do the marathon, I think you're going to be pleasantly uh, surprised in that, you know, yes, we're in the South, but people here wear masks. Uh, it's, It's people are watching out for each other. We have relatively low COVID rate, uh, our governor uh, who just got COVID uh, is a doctor, but has been very good. Um, so, you know, yes, we have COVID around, but no, it's, it's, we haven't had any large outbreaks um, and, and people in general are being very safe. Um, so I, I think as, as far as a place to come and visit, uh, Richmond right now is, is very good. And, and you know, we certainly, if you're coming um, to visit and, and run our marathon, you know, we want you to wear a mask when you're out in, uh, social, uh, places, but, you know, here in Richmond, you can run without a mask on, um, and you're going to feel pretty safe about that. So, um, I talk endlessly about the active outdoor scene here. We have tons of single track dirt trail. We have some of the best mountain biking trails in the East coast, um, you know, for, especially for an urban area. Um, so I, I could just go on and on about that.
0: Right. And just from a time perspective or dates perspective, if someone who's thinking about doing the virtual Chicago or had already signed up for CIM, I feel like this is a good option for both of those groups because it falls right in between. Right. We're talking beginning to mid-November uh, before Thanksgiving. So if you're thinking about doing CIM, but now that's off or you're thinking about doing Chicago, but you know you want to you, know, you you can extend it out a couple of weeks and, and maybe not maybe not opt to do the virtual Chicago and decide to do something more in person. I feel like both of those groups are probably in a spot now where they've been training for a marathon, they're ready to roll, and now all of a sudden they have an in person option. Where again, if they signed up for CIM or Chicago, they might have already been traveling to that race, so they might not even you know I've been to CIM before. Everyone knows Chicago. People travel internationally for that one you're going to be in a situation where often you have an in-person option. This is great. I know this is not my typical podcast. Usually we interview people who are going through really cool stuff that dedicated amateur runners. But I wanted to have you on because I knew that so many people right now are looking for something and you are providing that thing. You are solving a problem for so many people. So you have you know roughly a 1,000 open spots for that marathon. If anyone's listening to this and they're interested, where should they go to try to fill one of those spots?
1: Yeah, RichmondMarathon.org and, and you have all the information there. And, you know, some of this isn't easy, like we do in the website to have all this on it, uh, from our normal race. Um, but, but it's all there. So you can just follow the RichmondMarathon.org and, and Matt, you alluded to the, the groups earlier and what a great opportunity this is. Well, it really is. Um, we have training teams here for, for, our races of marathon and half marathon training teams where we train people up over a long period of time and they're in person and and we first started those virtually but those have also gone in person and you know they are going to be out there supporting each other they're going to take turns on who runs on what day and they're going to have other people out there you know helping to kind of cheer them along and and uh run support for them. So, you know, it's kind of neat to be able to think that your group could come here and you could kind of create your own little, uh, environment in the, in in a place where everything else is taken care of for you. So, you know, I think it's perfect for groups and it, it'll be a little more intimate. Um, I guess that's always a way to say things when they're going to be smaller, but, but, but that's a plus in this world with COVID. So, I think it's a great way for for running groups to come here and, and and take part.
0: I love it, John. Thank you so much for coming on the show and letting everyone know the cool stuff that you guys are offering.
1: Yeah, Matt. Thanks so much for having us. You know, we we all are fighting through this. Everybody in the industry has different ways of coping, and and uh, I know in in our world, being a nonprofit that exists to inspire active living in our community. And our events are some of the biggest celebrations of wellness that we have. It hurts us not to be able to have our regular events. It's painful. Um, but when you see people that can still cross a finish line and still, still accomplish something and, and still set, you know, this is largely internal goals uh, that people are setting, um, still creating that environment, it, it makes us happy that, that we have a chance to, to still do that, even in these challenging circumstances.
0: That's great. Thank you so much, John. Thanks, Matt. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, it's always fun to talk about creative solutions in the running world and also to do it with an Olympian. How cool is that? This was such a fun conversation. Now, John is hooking us up. If you want to be part of the Richmond Marathon race day or race days, the 16 days of the Richmond Marathon experience, you can actually save 10 bucks If you go over to RichmondMarathon.org and use code Rambling Runner. You're going to save $10 on your registration. They've decided to hook us up because I mean, this is such a big deal for them. They want to make sure that everyone is accommodated, and they've been nice enough to do this. So I really appreciate that. Uh, that means you're saving 10 bucks. I that means for the marathon, it goes from 85 bucks to 75 bucks. And hey, we all like to save money. So why not do that? So head over there today, richmondmarathon.org, code RamblingRunner to save 10 bucks. Also, thank you so much to Prevenex, Nurify Plus. It's the breakfast that fuels me. And if it can fuel me, it can certainly fuel you because I am not the healthiest guy in the world, but it's helping me get there. And I really appreciate Provenix for doing that. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Monday, the the next installment of the Mastering 40 series, I talk with Adrienne Longelier and James McCurdy about what's going on in my life and what we're hoping to do in the very near future. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.